their little punk ass off my car. What is it about driving cars that makes you all such assholes? Maybe you can hum the theme song Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong While the memory's not too strong There's a piece of you from a time long gone So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain question we ask is still the same Is it a treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Hello and welcome back to Is This Still Good? A podcast about, I don't know, sitting around and watching Joseph Kahn music videos I'm a host, a sage. Is that what we do? Uh, I'm Gavin. That's what we did today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That checks out. And today yeah. with us we have... Returning. Guest. Named. Adam. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't keep us in suspense, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Gotta bring some tension to this pod. And uh, what else did you bring other than tension? Oh, wait, 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 am I responsible for this? <laughs> well, no, honestly, I pitched it to you, but uh, now that bit's dead. So uh, we're, we're talking Torque today. The uh, 2004 Joseph Kahn film. Is that 2004? I believe so, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it sure. Was shot in 2003. It was shelled for a year by the studio because they didn't like it. <laughs> so wait, I, I'd never heard of this movie before. I'd never heard the name Joseph Kahn, really, although I realized... Upon looking at his IMDb, I had seen a few of his works. Right. So Joseph Kahn is a music video director who has also made some movies. And I have always overestimated like his overall importance to film because there just happened to be a few things that were important in my life. What were those things? <laughs> Torque. <laughs> okay. I was, I was talking with Adam earlier, and we'd both seen torque as a the, i didn't see a, it when it came a, out i saw it probably like 2010 right so a couple of years did you see it because detention was coming out um so i i believe i found torque and joseph Kahn in general because he came on the slash film cast which i was a fan of and still listen to them that's just been going on for like 15 years um yeah i think he was out promoting promoting detention and uh the guys on the show were fans of torque um sort of ironically it's hard to tell how genuine they were and i, I don't know they just sold it so well that i went out and i, I watched it um i think probably on netflix.com and uh you know when they would send you the the dvds uh and yeah that's how okay, I you, discovered you shout out netflix.com but specifically about their dvd service Okay, well, not to get on a tangent, like, three minutes into this podcast, but I Do am it. still a member of, like, the DVD mailers. I still do get you, them. Do you still get DVDs? Which DVD do you have right now? Um, I just had... Well, I'm finishing up the AFI Top 100, <laughs> as well as rewatching Torque. I'm watching the greatest films of all time. And, the two uh, most important uses for Netflix. <laughs> yeah, so I just got sent Blade Runner and Swing Time. One of those has blackface, and one doesn't. I'll let you guess which one. Right it was in. the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah, Joseph Kahn has been on my radar, thanks to the Slash Filmcast, for about 10 years. And in that time, he's made two more movies, and none of them had made, have made money. <laughs> but he continues to make the biggest music videos of all time. It's, it's weird. There are two Joseph Kahn's. One is extremely successful, and one is an abject failure. Yeah. There's so... also Internet Joseph Kahn, which we'll talk about later, who is an entire third person. <laughs> right. 
so yeah, I well, I, I mean, I, I do want to hear your story, Sage, but just the the first time I think I heard Joseph Kahn's name was when you made me go watch Bodied with you. I'd never heard of him before, and you were like, "This is one of my favorite directors. I love it when he, he he's making an indie film. Eminem's producing it." Here, here it is. Yeah, I stand by that uh, statement without really having evidence to back it up. He is one of my favorite directors because he's made three kind of insane movies that I'm shocked that they exist. I mean, I guess, like, Torque ultimately is just a more stylized version of a Fast and Furious movie. Joseph Kahn said he intended to, and that is going to be my just overall description of Torque, he intended to make a dumb movie for smart people and he definitely succeeded in at least half of that phrase yep he made a movie for smart people so what's his third movie adam can you sum up detention because i don't know if i can uh yeah so detention is i guess a horror comedy time travel movie um okay yeah i guess that's how you would describe it I I don't know. It's 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 like if Primer had dick jokes in it. <laughs> that's that's basically what Detention is. Spoilers for Primer, which I haven't seen yet, but I assumed it had dick jokes in it. <laughs> that's your definition of spoiler. Detention was marketed as like, oh, here's a horror comedy that's got Dane Cook and the 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 boy from uh, Hunger Games, the non Hemsworth one, Josh Hutcherson. You mean Thank Dane you, Cook yeah. of Torque fame? Yeah, the I, Dane Cook is the um, the Robert De Niro of Joseph Kahn's filmography. He's his muse, I guess. Um, wow. But yeah, the detention is extremely dense, and I, I want to rewatch it again. Sage, you rewatched it last night, right? No, I tried to, and then I watched the trailer, which already has a joke about how terrible Torque is in it, and I I can't remember if detention is good or not, but that trailer is garbage. I just mean that it looks like Clapton's gonna ask at Ioni, which makes about as much sense as that stupid movie Torque. I remember Detention being just genre shifting all the time in a way that it was very, like, ADD focused. <laughs> like, yeah, all the things you said, except it's also made for MTV. It's not literally, but that is, that is the feeling of Detention. Well, yeah, uh, and has anything he made not felt like it was made for MTV? No. Okay. Just, yeah, just checking. I guess I, I guess the only thing he's made that seems like, because most of his music videos and he's made like hundreds, and we were all just kind of going through his Wikipedia page, and I would encourage anyone listening to this to pull up his like videography, um, but so many of them have like a real ADD tongue in cheek quality. There's only a couple that seem actually uh, earnest and serious. I would say like the the Eminem Rihanna. Love the way you lie. Video is kind of, kind of serious, but for the most part, everything yeah. is real. Like, but there was also a lot this crazy. <laughs> that music video is a lot. I was just watching it, and everything's on fire. It's a song yeah. about a domestic. <laughs> it's a song about like domestic abuse featuring Eminem and Rihanna, which feel like really weird people to talk about that message, but also, I don't know, maybe well, the he right has people. Joseph Kahn has directed a Chris Brown, a Chris Brown video too. So unsurprising. But who knows where that falls in the Chris Brown timeline. Like I said, he's got right. like too big of a 
career as a music video director for me to like speak on it entirely but just watching a few of them yeah he I'm pretty sure he has ADD. I, I don't know if you can diagnose somebody from watching their, <laughs> their music their videos. Projects. But, <laughs> but li- like, Mike, like Michael Bay, he's very ADD, like just whatever would be the coolest thing to right. do right now. But unlike Michael Bay, I think he's actually trying to say something generally, um, uh... even if he doesn't have the best script, uh, to segue us back to Torque, which has a terrible, terrible script. I do want to quickly shout out uh, audience. Go rewatch the Toxic video for, for by Britney Spears if you haven't. In terms of like the exact definition of what we're talking about, because that is the most batshit insane music video I've ever seen. I think uh, it's a lot. Yeah, and I it's don't everywhere. Think, I don't know if we would have time to name all the important contributions Joseph Kahn has made to the music video library, but. Uh, I encourage you to look it up because if you're wondering if you've seen a Joseph Kahn music video, the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's also uh, has the record of the most expensive music video. Uh, I forgot the name of the song, but it's a Janet Jackson video from like 2005 that was, yeah, it was made for two and a half million dollars, which is like, now that's like the budget of a Blumhouse feature film and the fact that they were giving music videos that big of budgets uh, at one point in time is, is kind of crazy to me. Gavin, how much was the the last music video you worked on? How much did it cost? Uh, not not two and a half million. Let's just go with that. Like sub a million. Less. Than okay, a million. one of those SAG ultra lows. Got it. <laughs> Gavin, you want to try to hit us with the plot of Torque? Well, I felt like Adam was about to introduce something specific to it, but otherwise, I can. Adam, oh, you oh, want to segue ahead. us into Gavin recapping the plot of Torque? Um, uh, no, I was just basically commenting that I think uh, Joseph Kahn's movies are only as good as his scripts. And this is, I would say, his worst movie because it's by far the worst script. Like, this is, uh, the script for this movie is what you think the movie is. Like, if you just see it, you know, two for five dollars at, like, a gas station uh, <laughs> DVD bin. Like, yeah. It is written like that movie you think it is. Um, and then Joseph Kahn just brings a whole other level to it. So, yeah, I the this, the plot for this movie is terrible. Why, do, why don't you explain it, Kevin? I, just, to, just to echo on that, this does feel like... Uh, I, I remember watching Asylum movies, and the first one I grabbed, I actually dug. And Asylum is famously the company that makes, like, Transmorphers. Uh, they did... Titanic I worked two. for the Asylum. Titanic 2, Sharknado. They very famously like do the knockoff versions of mainstream movies. Adam, which ones did you work on? Um, it was originally <laughs> called Mommy, Timmy Made a Dinosaur, but they changed the title to Jurassic School. I think it's streaming on Netflix. Um, if you go to my IMDb page, I'm, quote, known for that. It's my number one credit, even though I worked for it wow. on one day. And I got paid $75 in, like, a personal check, which is illegal. <laughs> like, but, nope. but it was the, the first job I got when I moved to L.A., or one of the first ones. It was, like, a favor because I knew the A.D., uh, and it was it was awful. Like they basically, um, I was told the conditions were so poor because it was a kids movie. Like kids were like throwing up because they were being held in a room that was like too hot for too long. Wow. Um, like yeah, the asylum. They're criminals. They're they're bad people. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give them I, your I, money, even if it's funny. <laughs> I too have worked on an asylum movie, uh, but I don't have as good a story because it didn't involve children. But I should just say as much low wages for all that and... for legal reasons. Don't sue me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't sue the pod either. Shout out to Asylum. 
Yeah, Adam Story, allegedly. <laughs> All the yeah. love. But this does feel like the good version of the knockoff cheap movie, which I don't think is something they were trying to avoid doing. This is very much not quite parody, but like earnest thievery of the <laughs> Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, so we open up on a drag race between two uh, cars. They're just hauling ass down a desert road, but then a motorcycle drives between them, showing that cars are lame and motorcycles rule, which is kind well, of how like would the you, thesis of the movie. How would you phrase that if you had to write it on some signs that spun in the distance from all the speed? I I believe cars suck. Right. Is the, the, the intersection that they pass through, uh, conveniently enough. Yeah, cars treated suck avenue. <laughs> Yeah, in a, in a real Captain Underpants style <laughs> gag, the side spins and <laughs> suddenly says car suck. But yeah, so we're introduced to our hero, whose name escapes me, but he really likes motorcycles, and he His thinks name people is Ford. Drive. His name is, yeah, Ford. Ford. <laughs> Which I only know because the bad guy's name is Henry, so they're clearly making a comment oh. about how cars suck. Um, yeah. But it's muddled because the hero is Ford, who Ford right. I don't think makes motorcycles. I think Ford only makes cars. Yeah, that's my one problem with this movie. <laughs> yeah, everything else with this movie is perfect, but... Uh... Anyway, we realize that this motorcycler, you know, he, he beats up the car guys because he's also a talented street fighter. He has a couple of friends. He's got an Asian-American friend and a Latin-American friend. And they all hang out and drive motorcycles. And they haven't seen him in a while because he's been on the run. Because he got wrapped up with some bad dudes who had some motorcycles full of crystal meth. And he just bounced out on his girlfriend when he hid the crystal meth motorcycles in her shop to the last minute when the feds showed up. And then, so on top of that, they're also hanging out with a black motorcycle gang called the Reapers, who's led by Ice Cube, whose little brother is just an annoying upstart who keeps getting his nose uh, broken by just anyone that he steps to uh, until the guys who own the crystal meth motorcycles in the first place murder him, framing Ford so that they have to go on the run again, but this time down the five towards L.A. And Adam Scott is there. Best part of the movie. Who's down. an FBI agent. <laughs> and all the pieces have to come together with these ragtag group of motorcyclers who then have to prove their innocence by exposing the real crystal meth murderers to be Henry. And his gang. Oh, and, and, and Gavin, how do they uh, how do they show that? Is there some sort of fingerprint on uh, the the bicycle? Oh, bike? right. Yeah. To prove to prove the murder weapon, which in this case, we, there's a lot of people getting beat up with bike chains, and every bike chain has a fingerprint. Not a single like you can track down anyone by their bike chain. Everyone knows this, of course, except for the federal agents who may have just been overlooking it because, surprise, Adam Scott's in on the whole thing and he wants his crystal meth, too. This is good as description. It's a That's the whole movie, isn't it? Yeah. Surprisingly convoluted for uh, how simple this movie feels. It is more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, but mostly because, like, almost none of those complications make any fucking sense. Nor do they really matter. You know who the good guys are and you know who the bad guys are. There's never any confusion there. Yeah. And what it does is it sets up, you know, just 
a bunch of great motorcycle antics and ice cubes pretty one note but he's fun to watch i don't know yeah you you know from like once the movie actually starts you know oh ice cube is a bad guy who's going to be secretly good because he's ice cube and schultz is obviously the bad guy with no redeeming qualities (laughs) that's literally i mean matt i would say ice cube is not even a bad guy he's just you know cares about respect and he cares about his family yeah, he cares about Inglewood. I mean, he's it is really weird that, eager to murder people without evidence. It is weird that at the end of the movie, every like they're like, "All right, so we're good." Yeah, let's hold hands for like they do this like handhold shake that clearly they they do two of them. They edited it so it feels like it takes forever. They're just holding each other's hands, and then he goes, "All right, now don't ever come to Inglewood." It's like I thought you guys were cool. What happened? <laughs> They're cool as long as he doesn't come to Eaglewood. He's he's just afraid that they're gonna you know like start a Whole Foods there or you know. Yeah, this is really Joseph Collins just trying to talk to about gentrification. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna have I a would, real like artisanal motorcycle shop. Uh, I would really love Joseph Kahn to do a movie about gentrification, like a hundred percent. If I could pick any Joseph Kahn movie, it would just take yeah, well, place okay. in Brooklyn. Not a lot would so happen. should we just start talking about race? Uh, the thing that's always fun to talk about, especially being three white guys. Uh, but his, Joseph Kahn's last movie, Bodied, is all about like race and like the way we talk about it. Uh, and he's obviously he's a Korean American, um, so I know like his heart is always in the right place. This movie's pretty racist. Should, would we agree? In it's weirdly not... specific ways. Yeah, it's it's, it's not, not so much like it's subtle. racist, but the way it deals with race is very weird. There's a fair amount of tokenism, which I think is something that the Fast and the Furious movies too, like actually do a decent job of not falling too much into tokenism. But if you look at it that way, it's a diverse cast kind of on purpose too. And this has that feeling because it's a white lead with a white girlfriend who hangs out with his, you know, minority pals. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the difference between this and Fast and the Furious and like, as, like, kind of cartoony and um, not subtle as the Fast and the Furious movies are, they really care about those characters. Like, they want you to like Taj yeah. and Roman. And, you know, they've granted, they've got several movies to get you to like those characters, but uh, none of the characters in Torque have any sort of depth whatsoever. And I don't think no. Joseph Kahn wants to give them depth. I think he's heightening up the fact that they're just like, oh, that's, like... Uh, nerd friend, that's tough friend, that's uh, girlfriend, that's mean lady. You know, like, everyone's just a total archetype. Um, God, the villainess is incredible. Oh, just Jamie like, Presley? Every single time they cut to her, she's licking her lips. It's it's a lot. i <laughs> trying it's... to imagine the, the amount of money spent on, like, Carmex or lip balm for her. <laughs> <laughs> just had to probably do a line yeah. item in the budget the, to keep her from trapping the, the her The eyeshadow budget. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Assistant to Mrs. Presley's lips. Yeah. There are weirdly two characters from, uh, or two actors from My Name is Earl in this movie, which tells you just when it was made. I don't think that really tells you anything about the movie. I don't know. It's just a weird coincidence. I don't, I, I liked that show back when it was on, um, before I found out how Jason Lee is a Scientologist. So, this movie is made 2004, and it screams... Well, it's made 2003. It screams that at you through most of the movie. It also kind of assumes you've seen Fa- The Fast and the Furious. Uh, the right. biggest question I want to ask is, Gavin, 
Aside yeah. from Adam Scott and Ice Cube, did you recognize anyone in this movie? I do not believe so. And also the guy who is in Fast and Furious Matchups. Oh, that's right. I recognized him. Yes. Yeah. I know you've seen that. And I kept thinking his second in command was Leon Greyjoy, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, he's Alfie Allen. <laughs> so all these people were briefly famous. Like, if you were paying attention to not the AAA movies that came out, like Jay Hernandez, the, uh, the Latin biker is in Hostel. He is the only person that survives Hostel. This is a spoiler cast, sorry. Uh, I'll go ahead and not spoil his role in Hostel too, though, because that seems fair enough. <laughs> and he's in, like, Goal, and he's in a lot of other contemporary movies that were, like, mid to big hits. Uh, Martin Henderson, I don't know why I'm actually blanking on more things. I can only think of him in Smoking Aces, which was, like, two years later. Uh, this is I've the Martin seen Henderson both movie. Hostel and Smoking Aces and did not remember. Hostel, you probably should. But Smoking Aces is a movie where Martin Henderson is like 12th build <laughs> because that is an all-star extravaganza. That was just a tangent for a second. I was trying to think of a movie that this that, that went as fast as this movie did into macho posturing and fist fighting. And funnily enough, the first of the Jabrams Star Trek movies is like the only other movie I could think of that almost immediately went into just ridiculous posturing and fistfights. But that one is structured so that the guy fighting multiple people gets the shit beat out of him and that's part of his character. This one, not only is he taking on two dudes who, you know, drive cars really fast, he can also easily take them. So you know you're messing with him. Like, he's a badass. Yeah. This this Ford character, Henry character, Ford character, Ford character. And then the, the third biker of their initial crew, the Asian gentleman, uh, is William Lee, who was just in, um, shit, the James Bond movie that no one likes, Die Another Day. Pierce Brosnan. But, you know, that was a big action movie, and then he's in Torque. And more recently, he's got a, a leading role in Altered Carbon as the original Takeshi Kovacs. Uh, he's an actor that I really like seeing. And then his girlfriend in the movie is Christina Milan. Milani, who's a musician that was pretty big around the time. So everything kind of hits you like as contemporary as it is. If you know your film history, you can watch this movie and pinpoint exactly when it's made. Uh, can we talk about uh, Monet or Monette Mazur? We sure uh, can. Playing the She's role great of girlfriend. In this. <laughs> okay, see, I strongly disagree. I think she kind of tanks the movie in that. So. Like I said, there there are two torques, or maybe I didn't say that, uh, but I'm saying it again. <laughs> again. There's the torque that... Um, the two torques. It depends on the one you feed. Uh, that's a Tomorrowland reference. Anyway, uh, so there are two torques. There's the one um, that the guy, random white guy wrote. I don't remember his name. He's the guy who wrote like, Into the Blue. Uh, and that movie's really bad. And I think some of the cast is still in that movie. And like they're still like playing it straight, which you, you need to play it straight to some degree, but... Uh, just Monet is just, she really is a nothing actor and her performance is just kind of nothing. I feel bad. I mean, a lot of it's just that she has nothing to do. Whereas like Adam Scott just shows in and you just want to applaud. Cause he just like the way he's styled, you get that character and you get the joke right away. The close up no to the joke. converse and the, the white yeah, the tee under the, 
the, the fact that he's an FBI agent and he's dressed like he's a member of the Strokes, I just think is so funny. Yeah. Um, but Monet is just, she's like tough. She's like the girlfriend who's kind of tough and she can hold her own and ride a bike, but also she's sort of the damsel in distress and, you know, she'll have her chick fight at the end. Well, and also Adam, just to real quick, Adam Scott's uh, partner who we, if you, if you want to talk about weird sexism in this movie, like she's introed as like, yeah, I know she's pretty, but don't worry, she's also a good FBI agent. And that is our intro to that character. <laughs> and it reads real weird. Yeah, I feel like the whole joke with the FBI agents is Joseph Kahn seeing the Fast and the Furious, where you have a lot of FBI agents and, you know, police officers who are all way too young. And so I think he's taking that, like, one step further by, like, what if we really stylize them? Like, they're just people in college, but they have badges. Um, and it's, like, the little baby FBI guys. And I still try to figure out if that works or not with Adam Scott, because Adam Scott is about 30 when this movie comes out, I think. He's, uh, I mean, he's a lot older than you think, because he still looks 19 in this movie. <laughs> and that always bothers I'd also never seen Adam Scott in anything before I saw this movie. I looked through his IMDb this morning, and I did not recognize anything that I had seen pre-2003 Torque. Uh, I believe he's in Star Trek uh, Insurrection. First Contact. Or but I haven't seen contact. that. Yeah. And for all I know, he's in makeup as the third in command of the bad guy. Or, yeah, he's just like on the bridge of a ship that I think blows up. He's It's not a big role, so yeah. This was, this was pre-Adam Scott popping, but I feel like... He doesn't get his role in Step Brothers without this. Like he's he's playing a very similar vibe. Like I love anytime Adam Scott's an asshole, um, and is just delighting in being yeah. an asshole. But is obviously, he in the Good Place is that where I'm picturing him from too? Yes, and he plays a great asshole in the Good Place. Right, he's perfect. Uh, have we mentioned the fact that this movie made zero dollars at the box office and was a tremendous <laughs> failure? <laughs> we have not. Uh, yeah, so this movie, the budget was $40 million, which is $2 million more than the budget for The Fast and the Furious, which they have the same producer. I don't know if we mentioned that yet. Neil Moritz. Wow. So it's, it's, it's like a ripoff, but it's a sanctioned ripoff. But right. yeah, so The Fast and the Furious. It's part of the family. <laughs> Familia. Uh, the Fast and the Furious made like $200 million worldwide, most of that in the U.S., but still just gigantic hit. <laughs> Torque made a tenth of that. It made only $20 million domestically and like another 20 uh, worldwide. So this was a huge disaster financially. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like 20%. A letterbox, <laughs> it has like 2.1 out of 5. Uh, I this understand. is a very unsuccessful movie. Why people wouldn't like this movie, but I do look at the Rotten Tomatoes at IMDb and I am kind of shocked how many people are, just don't back up that, like, I mean, it's pretty fun. Well, it's well, hard to rate a movie on a 1 out of 10 scale when it's good-bad, you know? True. I think people also just don't get the joke. I think I think it's so subtle, and people people need their comedy spoon-fed to them in, in some regards. Like, I remember when They Came Together came out, which is, like, obviously making fun of romantic comedies and, like, movies in general. And I love that movie. I think it's hilarious. You go on IMDb and... You, they're just filled with comments being like, I don't get this. This movie's fucking terrible because they just don't get the joke. They don't get that. They don't get that it's like trying to be a parody of the movie. And I feel like the same thing with Torque is that took it at face value and thought it was a dumb movie about bikers and didn't realize that it's intentionally a dumb movie about bikers, you know, um, 
which I, if you're not like into film like we are, I, I could see maybe missing the fact that like um, all of the jokes are like purely visual, you know. There are no good jokes in the dialogue of this movie. It's just the fact that, like, Joseph Kahn will cover a whole scene just in the reflections from, like, the, the rearview mirrors on a motorcycle. And then he'll also have, like, a shot. <laughs> like, the way Ice Cube is introduced uh, via knife reflection. <laughs> Someone drops, like, right. a big knife. And you see a reflection on the ground. And then they pick it up. And then that's how you see Ice Cube for the first time. Like... That's funny to me because, like, it's inherently ridiculous. <laughs> and you can kind of, like, play a drinking game with all the reflection shots. But if you don't get that that's a joke and you're just watching, like, the plot unfold, there's nothing funny about this movie at all. Right. I can I can completely vouch for that because this is probably the third time I've seen the movie. And the first time, like, I kind of forgot about it. And then, like I said, I went back to check it out when Detention came out. I was like, oh, there's actually a lot to love in this movie. But it's not until this last time now that I've been exposed to so much more film and I've worked in the industry for eight years now, it's just, like, visually ridiculous. And all I really remembered from the earlier times was when it just turns into, a, like, a weird video game near the ends. But everything is heightened. Everything that you liked about Fast and Furious is, like, thrown into your face in ways that right. doesn't respect the original movie. <laughs> yeah, no, like but the there's also the that... Go ahead. I was just going to say, so in, like, The Fast and the Furious, you know, they'll always have those, like, uh, girls, it's, like, butts on cars. Like, even in the right. good ones, they still have to have, like, one shot. This movie has, like, all right, we're going to have, like, 20 butts on cars instead of Like, the of culture the, the... montage at the beginning with Kid Rock is a lot. For <laughs> yeah, sure. exactly. And, instead and if you of don't just get like... that he's doing it three women dancing at the beginning of a car race with, like, short skirts, you, like you have a slow push-in where it is five women, like, scrubbing themselves in a pit of water as they look directly at the camera, <laughs> just in case there's any doubts <laughs> that you were at bike yeah. week. Those music video uh, skills have heavily being shown off here. And that, <clears throat> when you mentioned that this cost more than the Fast and the Furious movie, that kind of it didn't surprise me but i think there's an element of like this movie looks great at times but looks so much worse but it's and it's trying to do so much more with what it can joseph Kahn is really pushing the envelope on what they could do at this time it feels like and it doesn't look pretty all the time yeah, that there's video a lot game. of visual effects um yeah in this well there's a watching just some of his videos today he he's really big on cg um, in ways that he's not right. trying to pass it off for real. Like, uh, I no. wrote down, I don't know, did you guys catch all the CGI windmills in the beginning? Ford's like at that little, um, yeah, restaurant, he gets in the fight. And, you know, I think, uh, Rob Cohen, who directed The Fast and the Furious, he, he's going to use CGI for like the big flashy trailer shots, but Joseph Kahn's going to use CG in like everything just to make right. everything larger than life. So it's at not just times. the fact that there's a couple windmills in the background and they'll go to a location that actually has windmills. He's like, no, we're going to shoot it at this location I found and I'm going to paint in a thousand windmills and an improbable amount of windmills. And, uh, there's so many, yeah, it looks every bad, direction. but it's fun. It is so much yeah. fun. There's and also, he, did you catch does... the CGI cat, Adam, this time? No. I, 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 I only like, noticed it because you told me about that. There's um, only which... one in this movie. 
which is as they first go into the diner early in the movie, it's just a dolly shot kind of to the diner and just passes a fat little cat and you hear meow. And it happens fast enough that you wouldn't know it's a CGI cat, except that of course it is because it's Joseph Kahn. And if you watch Bodied and pay attention, he just adds CGI cats into probably not every scene, but most of them. Most scenes in that movie have a background cat who knocks something over. <laughs> so you're suggesting Joseph Kahn is an artist, is yes. an auteur. Yeah. He's an auteur. Yeah, I, I would auteur say he's an auteur. Live and strong. <laughs> uh, also, uh, so I watched Bodied, and we're not talking about Bodied here, but just this is my one interaction with Joseph Kahn on Twitter, because he's very active on Twitter, although I eventually had to stop following him because his political takes are terrible, and I did I got tired of seeing them. But I well, asked him Joseph about Cod the Joseph says, bring back rooftop Koreans. Hey, Sage here, transitioning into this podcast seamlessly from the future. You can't even tell. So I've been getting a lot of feedback that people don't understand what Joseph Kahn and I mean by rooftop Koreans. And I think it's fascinating enough that I'm not just going to cut it from the podcast. So here's some context. So I live in Koreatown, Los Angeles, and 28 years ago, my neighborhood was an epicenter in the Rodney King riots of 1992, uh, after the brutal beating and the lack of conviction for the officers responsible. During these events, a lot of uh, businesses in the area, Korean-owned businesses, were stripped and robbed, and uh, there was no police protection as the entire city was in disarray. Korean business owners took it upon themselves to patrol and protect their neighborhood, often from their own rooftops, armed. If you want to learn more about this and see that footage, there's a fantastic documentary called LA92 that is currently on Netflix, uh, which also jumps between the Watts riots of 1965. And those Watts riots are exactly on the other side of Rodney King as the George Floyd protests of last year were. Back to Torque. Yeah, Joseph Cohen is also a big Amy Klobuchar fan, which I don't even think Amy Klobuchar's family likes Amy Klobuchar. Uh, but anyway, I asked him about uh, the, the choice cat is and right body. there, Adam. It's in front of you. <laughs> I asked him about the CGI cat. That's clearly CGI, clearly a deliberate choice. And I'm like, what does this mean? And so I asked him that, and he just responds, "What cat?" End of end of conversation. <laughs> so <laughs> that's wonderful. I, he the man is a real troll in the purest sense of the word. Like, he revels in doing things just for the lulls, but thankfully, he, I think he's a well-intentioned troll where he just likes to have fun. He's not like a, I'm going to, you know, dox uh, female reporters kind of troll. He's just, he just likes to have a laugh. We, we haven't talked yet about his Power Rangers short film that he made in 2015, which right, I just which watched is that actually something I had seen by him probably even before I saw Bodied. I just yeah, didn't so connect he, the name. He self-funded that. It's deliberately like using Power Rangers names. Um, so there's no way legally he can make a profit off of it. You know, they could he could make something like that and tweak the name and then, you know, get the ad revenue on YouTube. Instead, he deliberately burned like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or however much it costs to make that short. I don't have the exact number. Just just for a joke. And then I was reading an interview about it, trying to get to the bottom of like why he did this. Uh, and, and in it, they asked, oh, do you want to make like a feature length Power Rangers movie? And he said, God, no, <laughs> like, like he wasn't even <laughs> trying to get a job. He was just, I, I, I don't know who does that. And that's what I find fascinating about him. Um, and this movie, yeah, it's, it's just a huge troll. This was his first film. He, he was so well established. 
he could have made anything he wanted, but he chooses to take this job that he knows, like, people are going to think it's a dumb movie about bikes because it is a dumb movie about bikes. But he thinks it'd be funny to, like, kind of poke fun at that. Uh, and he, in doing so, he sort of sabotages his career as a feature director because his next movie isn't for, like, another eight years or so, six years. And he has to self-fund that as well. No one brought the money to detention. He self-funded that for, like, uh, like $5 million out of pocket. Maybe he had some investors, yeah. but he just he missed the Kickstarter GoFundMe craze. If you, uh, Joseph Kahn had a blog, I think it's just josephkahn.blogspot.com, which was something that I had bookmarked for a while because every time something was up, it was crazy. And he made a mock Kickstarter after the movie had been made and complaining about like, yeah, I really wish that this was a thing when I was trying to get my movie made and no one would help make it. And one of the options is like, for a million dollars, you can haunt anyone in the cast. <laughs> you can use a bow and arrow. We have to call you Katniss. What a strange, strange man. Can we talk about one of my favorite scenes in Torque? Um Which, you know, is a movie with not a lot of like good Disagree. scenes. And again, talking about like the human... <laughs> <laughs> the humor mostly coming from like the visual choices or like the directorial choices. Uh, there's a bit where they're, they're they all decide to like go to wherever they need to go and like they're like, you know, it's, it's like the transition from Act One to Act Two, and they just keep passing around a shotgun. Uh, oh right, and, at the diner. It's just like it's like the one thing where like, yeah, it's like because in a, in a normal movie you'd have like the cool gag where someone tosses the buddy a shotgun and he catches it and it's like all right let's ride but he has them do that like five right. times and it passes from like every person in the cast and eventually one person's left with like two shotguns just well, standing at the gas that's station also, alone i i don't think i noticed that the first two times i watched this movie but well that's, that's also where we're inter- well not introduced to so this is like they're leaving the bike week party uh the asian guy has a girl with him Shane's with Hent Ford and then the Latin guys by himself and the TV has shown that there's a bounty out on Ford or whatever and so the locals come out with shotguns they're beaten up the shotguns are taken everyone's just kind of laughing about it and like chill and then he um the Asian guy tells his girlfriend is like all right find your own way home it's too dangerous out here for you hang on to these shotguns have fun and she's never Stay seen this again. crime scene with two shotguns. Find your own way home. Yeah. And I, I was starting to assume that she'd be a big character and she'd be like evil. And she was like feeding, you know, their whereabouts to the, to the, the like to the hell rate aliens. But no. there's no that's... time for that much female development no. in this movie. No, she's just never seen again. Never spoken of. They just, you know, the end of it is that like they go down to Mexico. I, I think, think I already forgot yeah. this woman. Uh, is she the one where um, Jay Hernandez? Yes. Yes, Jay Hernandez. Right? Yeah. Uh, he like goes to open the door. And yeah. She's. There's a woman on on someone's bed wearing a motorcycle helmet, implying that uh, the guy has a fetish for having sex with women while they wear a motorcycle I mean, helmet. Let's not let's not kink shame anybody here, but. No, I'm not kink shaming anyone, but it is just it's it an interesting. Choice. It's a choice uh, that someone made. It's an interesting choice. <laughs> That's like the one uh, joke in the movie that feels like it's from the script. Yeah, most of the jokes, especially the visual gags, feel like they improve a scene that was not good in a screenplay. Uh, I I really want to talk about the cinematography in this movie. 
Uh, does everyone have a favorite shot in the movie? Uh, there's a few times when I got really excited in terms of things that were going to happen. Uh, so I just want to go over a couple of those, I guess. When our hero jumps through, like unnecessarily drives through a bunch of glass and they show that like several times he actually lands and then they still cut to a close up of his face as glass just like bounces off of him while he's standing super serious. And that just is the way this movie is edited and shot is just these big moments and then like small close-ups really set the pace for a lot of how this movie works. And it's, it never gets old for me. It's the best part of, you know, cut to the inside of an engine, all CGI and silly, and then cut back to someone being super serious. Just so you know, you know, if this is a joke, this is a serious joke and you better pay some fucking respect. Yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite shot. I mean, the movie is just visually so over the top. It's it's like mirrors assaulting and mirrors. how uh, stylized everything is. Uh, yeah, it's all all the yeah. mirror shots. The camera, at least for like the first act, I think every shot is on the ground. Like the camera is on the ground for so much of it. the The colors are so saturated uh, in that real like uh, yeah. early two thousands kind of style. Yeah, I don't know of anything uh, I would particularly say is like my favorite shot, but uh, one that I really notice, and it's a good example of like the 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 tone of this movie is the it's like the introduction of like um, I think a party. I should have taken more notes on the plot because I don't remember the plot, and I watched this movie like twelve hours ago. <laughs> but it's just an establishing shot, which normally you know, okay, you'd have it like camera be on the ground, maybe it's on a crane or like a helicopter or something, or. But, or you start the camera a football field away and you have it like <laughs> yeah, push in just at morph 100 cut miles through, an hour so it, yeah. for no reason. Like like you're on a motorcycle, like racing speed it up from the there. You're gonna crash. Who would do? Oh, we also should talk about. Uh, I did take notes on this movie. One of my the things I took notes on is when they're in like the the club in the beginning. Uh, the club just has yes. spark machines <laughs> on the balcony and the sides. Uh, which totally makes sense for like a music video, but you think about like the practicality right. of like a club. Could you imagine like going to your favorite bar and like, okay, you got to be careful over there because that's where they have the spark <laughs> machine. <laughs> what does it do? Oh, it just you know it just makes sparks for fun. Uh, it seems like that would be a building code hazard. You know, like could probably start. A I lot mean, of fires this is already a club machines. where like no one is too freaked out that someone was murdered in the bathroom. Like, the people involved take it seriously, but you've got a lot of background. I was like, oh, this again? <laughs> it's treated very I casual. mean, it's biker culture. You took my favorite shot, for sure, so I'm just going to echo uh, Ice Cube's introduction in the reflection of a knife. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Oh, God, also, Ice Cube has the best line in the movie, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's like he just pulls up and he says, I heard you were in Indochina eating sushi and shit. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's like that only exchange, Junior, is, I think sushi's in Japan. I know where sushi from. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Well, and that's something that comes back. Yeah, they, why do they say Indochina <laughs> so many times in this movie? I've never heard but the term Indochina in 2003, before. 2003, it's a very specific joke. Yes, Thailand is a part of Indochina. Indochina is just like French Southeast Asia. So Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, I don't know, Laos. I don't know necessarily where those boundaries stop. But uh, it feels weird that they would know enough to, like, be additionally racist. Well, and they call attention oh, to, um, like, one of the villains, um, 
uses the word chink a bunch. And yes. Ford's like, can't even be racist, right? I wasn't in China. I was in Indochina. <laughs> yeah, which you, you would think that uh, a Korean American director would be like, hey, can we lose all these like jokes that uh, are like racist against Asia? But I, yeah, exactly. I think Joseph Kahn thinks that's funny in, in a way that's like, I can't say it's funny. But clearly, like, he kept it for a reason, and I don't think he's trying to make any sort of statement. I think he just thinks it's funny to have the characters be racist, because then, you know, they're going to die It seems like a moment of, like, well, I'm Asian, so I can say this, which might be... Except for he's having white people say it. Yeah, which, like, there's a lot to discuss there, because I always think, especially in, like, your shitty action movies, it's maybe okay to have your villain be outwardly racist, I don't know if you always should do that, but there's certainly an argument mm-hmm. to be made there. I don't know. Do you guys... It, it happens so fast you almost didn't catch it, but there's a thing at the end of the big fight where um, Ice Cube um, gets, like, the 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 second-in-command or whatever of, like, the main head, um, wraps a chain around him, and then the chain, like, goes up over, like, the rafters, and this guy is essentially lynched. And Ice Cube just says, ain't that ironic, and it cuts to the next scene before you even can realize how fucking insane that is, that they made well, that comment. wait, wasn't, I thought it's that just, was in reference to something it's else, It's so though. bizarre. I mean, I guess it could be, oh, isn't it ironic because you killed my brother with a chain, but it's specifically uh... the way he's hung is, like, that of a lynching. It's, like, hoisted above the rafters. I, I don't know, I, like, I kind of gasped when that moment happened. Uh, it's, it's, this movie, um... Transitioning from race just for a moment because, yeah, um, I want to revise my favorite shot in the movie because, you know, we all know what a dolly zoom is, yeah. right? But if you don't know what a dolly zoom is, you know, there's the really famous oh, one in Jaws vertigo and like Vertigo is yeah. where like, it's where you like, you, you essentially push in while you zoom out. So the, whoever's in the subject stays right. the same. It like feels the like the world's like, expanding really or crushing in on, on your subject. Yeah, it's a fairly common technique you see in movies a lot. Um, this movie is the only time I've ever seen a double dolly zoom used once, because it's Ice Cube is like scouting out on the horizon, thinking about like what to do, and it dolly zooms in, and then it dolly zooms out as he's like making up his mind. It's it's so wild, and uh, just the fact that he was able to do that, and they let it be in yeah. the movie is insane. I I also just got because I, I you know I've done the drive down California a bunch and I'm always watching those palm tree farms go by and being like wow it's so beautiful I want to go check that place out and so I was so excited when they set a chase scene in a palm tree farm it's pretty dope and yeah that's a, that's a fun I sequence. was not ready for where that would go either which you know we get that kind of fun uh return of the Jedi like rushing through all these trees their shotguns um really weird line one guy pulls out yeah. two pistols when he's on a motor right <laughs> so much of this movie is people just clear i don't really believe that ice cube knows how to ride a motorcycle by the end of this movie the the shot where ice cube pulls out a right oh my god it's so incredible he's going 75 miles an hour on a motorcycle that was my favorite and then yeah so he's got that other guy who's got both pistols out and he's still just driving through Really treacherous palm tree. Through yeah, rocky terrain. That's like, yeah. It's basically all speed bumps. So everyone, you know, is having to accelerate and decelerate to stay on their bikes, I'd assume. And then... Yeah, and these no. are mountain bikes. <laughs> uh, 
or, or like yeah dirt bikes they're yeah i wonder motorcycle people must hate this movie <laughs> like if you're a motorcycle nut and you love all the specific brands you've got to just despise this movie. right well except for you know when you drop a rolls royce um airplane oh, engine yes, a rolls royce <laughs> helicopter engine in a crotch rocket yeah that's that you know that's gonna get you excited that's what you're waiting I take for it back that's still my favorite shot of the movie is like the very ending of the video game inspired that shit sequence. is so wild and that is just like another it's step so up wild. it goes because full crank. they're going yeah they're going I, I don't even know how fast like 200 miles three thousand miles yeah per hour. and the villain is turning around you don't have Downtown time to Los turn Angeles. around and look behind you at that speed to let alone yeah. fire a gun and aim that's insane they are kick fighting while right like Going around other cars as if they're standing still. Yeah, my God. At one point, like, there's a gas leak and someone shoots it. So you have a bike being chased by another bike being chased fire. by fire. Yeah. <laughs> Just the whole time. If he slows down at all, that fire will catch up to you and your helicopter engine will explode. <laughs> just, it's just nuts that someone can see that and think that that's a mistake. You know, like, that whole sequence. Like, people see that. It, I bet you if you go on, like, YouTube and you look at the clip on, like, movie clips or whatever, I'm sure all the comments are going to be like, oh, this looks so terrible. This looks so fake. Uh, what were they thinking? Just completely missing the fact that, like, this is, it's a deliberate right. choice to yeah, go for That would be something CinemaSense says about, like, the type of motorcycle while ignoring that, like, there's at least 10 instances where a woman calls another woman a bitch. Well, and that's kind of where this movie, again, like when you're talking about the budget and the similarities between this and The Fast and the Furious, is like The Fast and the Furious is like an indie drama that is very rooted in like sincerity and it comes off as silly at times. Like it's not not a funny movie, but the tone change between these two and the way they look in their finales is just so jarringly different. I, I love them both. They're both a lot of fun, but... Uh, the finale of uh, the the Fast and the Furious, which I, I just watched uh, a couple months ago, it's them. It's two guys who are like at odds with each other, and they have to jump a, a train track before the train hits them. That's it. Like that's the climax of the right. movie. Whereas in Torque, you know, they're driving right. on the, tra- top the of train. The train scene comes. And there's about a motorcycle through. chase sequence through a train. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's a cool- I was so I happy. I would love. Joseph Codd to direct a Mission Impossible movie. I'm just gonna. He throw seems that like out. he really wants to. I think the closest you're gonna get <laughs> is again, like Britney Spears, Toxic. Just throwing it out there. A lot of laser I would have dancing loved for him to direct Mission Impossible two. I, I mean, we already got the perfect Mission Impossible two, but I would have enjoyed him to take on wow. the first one, or you know, one of the more recent ones would be fun. I would, still time. I would have loved him to direct the De Palma script. Yeah. Would have been great. Oh my god. Well, I forgot to pay the podcast bill, so we do only have like twenty minutes left. So I hate to <laughs> right, right. They, but they honest. they drive they drive they race across the top of a moving train, and then this is when you know Ice Cube decides to start trusting Ford because he pulls him off, and then they stare at each other through a train until Ford just disappears. <laughs> That's right. I forgot he does like the born identity trick where he just, I, he, yeah. The, the train passes by and he's gone. And then in the next <laughs> shot, he's just like walking through the desert. Yeah, yeah. It's just Ice Cube just lost track of him, you know. And then got the memory there of are multiple times in this movie where a motorcycle sneaks up on someone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, wait, do we, we talk about the no, motorcycle? No, and that's fight, my favorite part. Uh, between yeah. Jamie Presley. Yeah, what's and... your favorite product placement in this movie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Mountain Dew v- versus Pepsi scene. It's incredible. My God. <laughs> what What is that line that opens up that? Uh, uh, what is it? I don't know. I'm sure the word bitch is in it. You want some of this bitch? Yeah. The, I thought yes. you'd never ask. <laughs> Poetry, really. Shakespeare. I mean, this is, if this movie was made today, the, those are honestly the only things I would really want changed is some of the gender dynamics in here. I'd leave the racism as is. Yeah, yeah. Joseph Cotton yeah, knows what he's first. doing. Jesus Christ. But honestly, so the the fight scene between the two oh, of them. No, this is this is the line what? I found. Go ahead. It. Oh, I found the line. Uh, Thank you. It's between the characters China and Shane. Um, China says. You messed with the wrong chick. To which Shane replied. Looks like you did, bitch. <laughs> yes. How did this movie not win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay? As well? All right, but oh my so god! That scene compared to the one that follows, which is the one that we discussed with like the kind of just insane bad CGI look to it. This one feels much more grounded. They're bike jousting, uh, barely missing each other, and like punching. It's very yeah. Mission Impossible too. And but specifically when they both do the wheelies and just clang the fronts of their motorcycles together, I'm just like, oh, this is beautiful. I'm here for it. That scene also does the Fast and Furious 6 thing where they are in a limited space going fast and they just go forever. Right. <laughs> I'm, of course, referring to the runway yeah. where they have like a six minute chase sequence where a plane hasn't taken off in six minutes. And they're just like pulling. Um, well, what's your face too? There's a lot of butterfly uh, knives in this in this movie, <laughs> which is fun to see. Yes. J.B. Presley loves her a butterfly knife. But yeah, they're pulling like an almost three stooges of just like riding exactly next to each other. No one turning or like swerving or anything and just trying to poke each other's eyes. It's very charming. Uh, we haven't mentioned the most iconic line of the movie, um, which is when Ford says, I live my life a quarter, <laughs> a quarter mile at the time. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And Shade says, that is the dumbest right. thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and I also wonder, so this movie, Joseph Kahn has has gone on record talking about like the behind-the-scenes struggle for like creative control, which feels ridiculous with the movie that we got. But there are things where like there are very clearly ADR joke followed by ADR joke by the same person. Right. And like Ford is completely walking away when that line is said. You do not see him say it. I feel like almost every scene in this movie has a double ADR joke. And I just, it's hard to imagine that's Joseph Kahn's choice. I know Ice Cube has a couple of those in this. And they, mm-hmm. they were painful. They were not high points. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, as we've watched more and more My... movies from the 90s and 2000s, there's so many double jokes that I don't feel like happens as much anymore. Hopefully we've moved on as, as film viewers. There, there's one ADR joke that it feels like a studio note, but the way it's delivered is so funny. Because, um, you know, you remember when The Fast and the Furious came out, everyone was always talking about how, like, oh, they should be dead. You know, no one would survive these crashes. Back when we were all taking them, like, kind of seriously. Uh, and so there's the moment where the FBI's Hummer, like, oh, does yeah, a big wow. flip and it just lands upside down, crashes. And then it just cuts to Adam Scott and the, his partner being perfectly fine. And in a clearly ADR line, Adam Scott says, and I'll try to do his intonation as perfectly <laughs> as possible, just says, thank God for airbags. Yes. And, like, 
that has to be a joke, but it's also clearly like a studio note of like, well, how did they well, survive? But that's like, also also a second after to, that, he people says, are going to wonder yeah, how they shut lived up in like the weirdest tone. Oh man, that's such a yeah. weird moment. Oh boy. Uh, by the way, Adam Scott did not respond to me on Twitter about this movie. He what? I, I hit up Adam Scott on Twitter yesterday, hoping he would have some stories from the set, and he did not respond. Sadly, it seems we may have overestimated your pull once again. Well, I was hoping that you know, so few people ask Adam Scott about Twerk that he's just like, "Oh, you want to know about that yeah. one?" I feel like if I was Adam Scott, I would be very excited anytime someone asks me about Twerk. So I listened to Adam Scott's YouTube podcast, which is now a uh, uh, Talking Heads or and or Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast, consistent and. Torque has come up a couple times, but I can never get the sense of if he's proud of this movie or embarrassed by it. Clearly, it was like a big deal for him at the time, but you know, I don't, I don't know if this is like something that he will, holds dear, dear to his heart. This was wish, his opportunity to work with Joseph Hahn. <laughs> I'll go on record and say he's great in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's got some 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 weird lines, but he is enjoyable, and his turn as villain is not smooth but i don't i wouldn't put that on him there's just a weird i don't know how'd you guys feel about that the first time you saw this do you think that's definitely like the cliche thing that would happen in this kind of a movie um that kind of like late in the movie double cross you know it's it's not shocking because you know Oh no, the guy who's after us is also who's been quirky a bad and eccentric guy. and totally willing to like he when they're when he's chasing them on the freeway, he just is driving through random bystanders' cars. Oh god, that's so funny! Just oh yeah, destroying no, it's like full people. on fast yeah, five. They, yeah. They, <laughs> without mercy or <laughs> they like plow through multiple cars yeah. at once and then it cuts to adam scott just casually drinking a diet i also beer. thought he was drinking beer and i was unsure <laughs> well they, they frame that logo uh very prominently um which uh man just seeing that old diet pepsi logo because i used to pound like a case a week of that stuff it really really brought oh, yeah me back. this is that nostalgia cast for that diet pepsi send back you feel me I don't know, there's something about, like, old logos where it's just, like, it uh, feels like Diet Pepsi used to taste yeah. different when it had that logo. I respect you know? that. You they put different on. chemicals on the logo that would seep into the actual product. <laughs> well, I could talk about Torque for another couple hours, but I'm not kidding when I say that I did not pay for more podcast time. <laughs> so I would love to move on to our final judgments and just find out how much we all equally love this movie. <laughs> so in case this is your first episode of this show, I'm going to go over the rating system that mm -hmm. we have established um, Thank you for joining us on tour. <laughs> <laughs> is this movie still good? Is it better as a memory? Or is this something that we should bury in the ground and never speak of again? Um, I feel like usually the person who brought it goes first. So Sage, would you would you do the honors? Uh, sure. I'm trying to get past my implicit bias in this podcast and not rate everything that I bring. Is it still good? It's not. <laughs> I think I never really thought it was. I mean, it is better as a memory, just bit, but the idea of what it almost was is good. Like, it is a movie that knows what it is, and you can see the studio trying to make it as, like, mass pleasing as possible, which makes it less pleasing to me. Uh, but it did introduce me to Joseph Kahn, and that's, that's worth a fucking lot to me. 
I, I'm going to go ahead and say I feel like implicit bias is like bias is okay in our in our rating mm-hmm. system. The criteria is not well defined. <laughs> right. But if I can't look at a product afterwards and be honest and be like, nah, it's not it's not good. It is better than I thought it was. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Like, we don't always bring things we think are good. No. We bring things we love. Yeah. Adam, where do you fall? Yeah, I, I sort of would say that I agree um, with you guys in that the movie is just so close to being great. Like, I want I, in my notes I wrote, uh, is this the Starship Troopers? Or that was something movies? I was thinking and about a it, lot like, during this movie is. was the tone of Starship Troopers is a really, really great parallel to this. Sorry, I just wanted to back you up on that. Yeah, um, yeah. The the problem is that just a lot of this movie is just kind of a drag. Uh, it's kind of like the Mission Impossible two thing, where like when this movie's being really over the top and stupid, it's great. But then there's that there's a good chunk in the middle that's just the movie it's making fun of, uh, and that's just kind of not as much fun to sit through. And there, yeah, there's like some weird kind of race elements that I like sit a little uncomfortably with me. There's also it's got a god awful soundtrack. I mean, <laughs> oh, we didn't we talk about rock. It ends on a Nickelback the song. The of it all. Uh, it ends with a Nickelback. Yeah, they drive song. off into the sunset to to Nickelback. Yeah, friend of the pod. I'll, I'll give two answers. By the way, I will say <laughs> it's a, a a I forgot what the terms were. I'm still sorry. good, better as a memory, or bury uh, it in I the ground. S- I will say still good if this sounds like a movie you would enjoy. If you, if this kind of over-the-top, uh, winky, dumb ride sounds appealing to you, I would say give it a watch. It's a really wild... You're never going to see a movie quite like Tork, um, even though it's not good. It's But you're, you'll get your time's worth. It's streaming for free on Roku TV right now uh, with ads. Uh, you know, it's an hour and a half. You know, have a couple of beers, make fun of it with your friends. But for me, I would say it's, I'm at better better as a memory point. I don't need to ever watch Twerk again. I will keep watching what Joseph Kahn puts out, and maybe I'll rewatch Body or uh, Detention at some point. But yeah, I don't think I ever never need to go back to Twerk, um, even though I do love a yeah, lot of it. Yeah, I mean, this, this kind of falls into that, what you guys were talking about, is it's kind of difficult to rate this kind of movie, and that's why it probably seems so weird to look at its rating on like Metacritic or... Rotten Tomatoes, because it is a good, bad movie. Like, it is a very fun, very dumb movie. I'm very glad I rewatched this movie. <laughs> and so me having never seen it for the first time, you know, the better is a memory thing is kind of weird for me to say. And, like, to me, it is dancing between, like, a good movie and something that's better in your imagination. Because, like, this movie is kind of wilder than my imagination at times. Like... The finale with the bad CGI is not something my brain would picture when I try and come up with that. Like, I don't even know if Joseph Kahn really had that figured out until, like, he was in post. And he's like, oh, so this is what this looks like. All right. I can't storyboard that. (laughs) Because this movie's nuts. Um, So, like, honestly, I'm torn between Better as a Memory and Still Good, uh, having never seen it before, even. Um, I'm going to kind of piggyback on Adam. I'm going to call it a... Uh, probably better as a memory but if you haven't seen it it's totally worth seeing if you want to see a fucking nuts silly fast and the furious send up that has a lot of maybe heart's not the right word but like it's it's swinging for the you know bleachers it's like not pulling punches it's really going 
for what it can be. And I got no criticism for that, really. Like it, I'm really glad they tried as much batshit stuff as they could. Where does this rank in the Fast and Furious movies? Like if you had to sandwich it between two Fast and Furious movies. Oh, above two. And uh, probably below the rest of them. <laughs> I agree. Mm. I'm going to put it above one and just behind Point Break. I mean, th- that is official canon, but yeah. I don't. I don't probably about the same as the Point Break remake, which is also like crazy over the top. Of like, why and how does see. this movie exist? Maybe I should check that out. It's got some of the craziest practical stunts you will ever see in a movie. I mean, that's 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 cool. That's not a not a yeah. not a bad selling point. Um, yeah. So it's really its only selling point. <laughs> do you want to try and do a couple reviews? Does this count? Or my the thing I'm recommending is the Point Break remake or something like that. Oh sure, yeah. That's if you like if you like Torque. Uh, I would check out the Point Break remake. I'd check out everything else that Joseph Kahn has gotten to direct, especially that silly little Power Rangers shorts. That short is pretty fun. I will say, yeah, my recommendation is Josie and the Pussycats. It's very <laughs> similar in that people... It looks similar because it's kind of mocking a lot of the music video styles that Joseph Kahn pioneered for That's like Backstreet yeah. Boys and uh, Britney Spears. Um and it's a similar thing where at the time, I think critics and audiences didn't get that it was a satire. Uh, but watching it now, it's so obvious. And so I would recommend Josie and the Pussycats. It's streaming now on HBO. It's uh, it's a fun, like, just girl hangout movie. And it's got good songs. And it's also a great, like, satire about commercialism and the music industry. Uh, I love that movie every time I watch it. It's light and fun and weird. It's also shot by Matthew uh, Liebetik, I think. Who really? Yeah. The Aronofsky DP. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a great time. I highly recommend that movie. Let's see. I I think I'm gonna recommend just because again it's that like I do really love that blend of satire and earnesty, and it's something that often doesn't work. Like I'm not a huge uh, trauma fan, which like I feel like just is a little too self aware. But one of my favorite horror movies and one of my favorite comedies, and I may have already recommended it, but like Scream is just amazing. And yeah, I, I love, I so love Scream. not doesn't share a lot with this movie, but in terms of mixing that earnesty, earnest, earnestness and fun, these are both movies that like to different, you know, a little different mixtures, but, um, they both do a really, really great job of mixing those together. I would say detention has a lot in common with Scream yes. 4 at the very least. Scream like 4 is the, the second best of the Scream uh, movies. Like the opening sequence of detention. Correct. The other two are absolute garbage. I think also I would agree. Correct. There's a lot to like in two. I don't know. I can come back and talk about Scream because I love that movie. Um, and I have a lot of opinions about the sequels, which, yeah, Scream 3 uh, sucks, sucks dog. It's very dog. bad. Uh, do not like Scream 3. Well, I think that, I think we did it. I mean, does anyone quickly, if... <laughs> Sorry to go out on that note. Does anyone quickly have a remake pitch? Otherwise, I'll just cut this and we'll move on. Um... Honestly, like, I do think Joseph Kahn kind of nailed this movie uh, in terms of what it was trying to be. I I don't know. Like, I know we you'd get the Point Break remake, basically, which, you know, maybe yes. not a bad thing. Uh, again, I haven't seen it, but the trailer uh, looked fine. And You know, that that is weird, because even though I did not give this movie a still good, I don't know how to make this movie better. Yeah. <laughs> Other than, like, try That's again and see I, if it I, works. I think I, I mean, have an idea. Now, I would say, hashtag release the con cut. <laughs> I, this, is, this brings up that point of, like, sometimes more c- character development, like, honestly, 
wouldn't make a movie better. I don't, I don't particularly like any of these actors, but I don't feel like I need to. I don't think this movie wants me to, and I don't think I really need to understand these characters any better to like this. I would. I don't know if I'd like this movie more. All right. Uh, I have a, a remake yeah. pitch, sort of. You make the Fast and Furious version of Torque, where it's now it's like dark and gritty, and like they're on the run and they're hiding, and you like slowly introduce all these characters, pretending as though they we have lo- to go to Indochina, pretending we love these people, <laughs> and you know, so you you make the 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 serious, uh, earnest re- reboot of Torque, <laughs> checking up on these characters nearly twenty years later. I don't know. I think there could be something there because that is like if there would have was been a success, yeah. they would be doing the dark mm, reboot. That's a good uh, point. I would watch a Martin Henderson prequel that just takes place in Thailand. Yeah, and I'd watch their continued journeys in Mexico. Like, you know, that's right. I did go to Mexico. All right. Well, thank you so much for for joining us, Adam, and hopping in our time capsule to 2004. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Adam Wright Good. Uh, that's W-R-I-T-E Good. Uh, I don't know. I felt the need to spell that out. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have too much out there in the world. I don't have any podcasts or anything, but you can follow me on Twitter where I'm sharing. I've been making some art on my uh, 20-year-old uh, iBook in AppleWorks. Uh, so I'm having a lot of fun with that. Maybe I'll make um, some Torque-themed artwork and put it up there. Uh, I'm also on Letterboxd uh, at Adam Boyer if you want to see my opinions about movies. Please, AppleWorks 6, like the final scene in Torque. <laughs> yeah, well, I made, I, made a, I, I made a painting of the iconic shot from Mission Impossible 2, uh, and I think it turned out pretty great. I think I captured uh, Tom Cruise's likeness. In please please send that, and we'll share it on the at least the Instagram. That's wonderful. That makes me so happy. Will do. Well, you can find Sage at holdforplane dot uh, whatevers, and yep. uh, <laughs> and me at Gavin V Murray at whatevers. Yeah, and uh, if you're Joseph Kahn, go ahead and write in. Uh, Stillgoodpod at gmail dot com. All right, we will put anything you send us on unfiltered. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Signs that we missed And try to turn the tables I wish you'd unclench your fists And unpack your suitcase Lately there's been too much of this But don't think it's too late up in Indochina eating sushi and shit. I thought sushi came from Japan. I know where sushi come from.